Hi everyone, you're listening to Accents on WUKY. I'm your host, Katerina Stoikova, and today with me is writer and illustrator Susan Mills. Hi Susan, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I am, it's such a pleasure to be here. You are the founder of Rainbow Sparrow. Please tell our listeners about it. So Rainbow Sparrow Books is a publishing company um, that I set up for my Dino Sprout educational book series. So um, it's a series that I created um, just as a, a passion on my heart, so to speak. So my son was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half. And so probably about six years ago, I created two little stories just for him. He loved dinosaurs, and um, and I really wanted to create stories that he could relate to, characters that he could see himself in, and uh, just made some doodles with images. And then, uh, lo and behold, it's turned into a whole children's series of books that's speaking not only on autism, but just in a whole world of special needs. Well, you said you made some doodles, right? Yeah. So did you, I mean, did you always draw draw you did you discover this talent for drawing uh, like early in your life and and well I've always been creative so um, and I love to paint so I've always had a creative outlet of some sort whatever it was Um, I'm a classically trained pianist so music is a passion Um, but I never in a million years considered myself to be an illustrator. And so I, the doodles were very much just doodles. Like what does a dinosaur in my mind look like? What does a T-Rex look like? A stegosaurus. And so these were just like little hand-drawn doodles that I, I drew specifically for my son and I never meant for anyone else to see the light of day on it. Um, it was just something fun. And then, uh, last year, I had been looking all over for an illustrator for the for the books, and um, and I couldn't find one. All of the illustrators were busy; they believed in the project, but they just couldn't find time to make it happen. And this was this was kind of surfacing around the time of COVID. So, as we know, like artists, it's like every waking minute, like you're trying. There's there's a reason it's called starving artist because <laughs> you're really trying to make a living doing what what you believe you're meant to do. And so it was my husband, Cameron, that said, you know what, Susan, like you paint, you you draw things, like why not just take a stab at this? And I'm like, you know what, he's right. What is the, you know, the worst thing that could happen? It just doesn't look very good, so I don't do anything with it. So um, I started taking it a little more seriously and kind of developing the characters, and then it just kind of took off from there. Well, I think that the drawings are brilliant. Oh, thank yeah. you. Well, they're they're simple, and that's intentional um, because I my my son always gravitated like the books that he read. The images were simple in nature; they weren't um, they weren't detailed. And so I was like, you know what? I created this series or stories for him. So I'm going to create images that I feel like he resonates with and is drawn to. So that's kind of how we all started. It's very bright, bright colors, um, which I think kids are always drawn to anyway. Um, and then just fun and whimsical. Well, in writing school, they tell us that um, 
it's really good idea when you write to think of one person in mm. mind. So true. That's so true. And I I have a theater background. And so, so much of a part of my background, I spent time in New York and LA and the theater and um, TV and film. And so much of, of that whole process was character development. Who is this character? When you're developing this character, what is this character saying without the words being on the page or words being on the screen, you know, and developing this whole thing. And so that really got my juices flowing because I just, I love that process. And it was really cute because as I was drawing, I would bring my son, Alex, in to look at the illustrations. What do you think about this? And there were times he is on the autism spectrum and he has no filter, which is the very best thing most of the time but he he'll say well I don't I don't like orange or I don't like this or something but it was really cool because he felt like he was part of the process too hmm. classical pianist theater background a teacher um, uh, a writer an illustrator is there anything you cannot do <laughs> I still have a long list of, of things on my bucket list that I want to do. It's I, it's really hard for me to sit still, um, much to my mom's chagrin. But um, I love I am I, I love learning. I love learning new things. Um, I will learn something new until the day I die. It's just I think it's something that motivates me. Um, you know, I want to speak a foreign language. I want to learn how to play violin. I want, there are always things that I feel like we as people need to be doing to, to push ourselves, to keep our brains healthy and active. And that's just part of my process. What was the last thing you learned or skill you mastered? Mastered. That's a strong word. Cause I don't know if I'm, ma <laughs> I've mastered any of okay, them. Okay. Well, to your satisfaction and enjoyment then. Mm. I had a painting. I had someone um, just recently, because of one of the paintings um, I created, they 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 called and wanted a, a larger commission of this. And so it's always nice when someone else, as you know, just appreciates the art that you've created and that, you know, and they want more of it. So it was something that I was creating for someone else. It was special. Um, and I thought, you know what, like, this is something I started painting during COVID. And it was, it was more of an outlet for me when work was just kind of haywire. Um, and I was stressed. And um, so I, I got myself some paint and brushes and, um, and some canvases and a therapist and, and I went to town and it was great. It helped so much. And if you are to learn a language which one would you choose oh gosh there's so much. i love the romantic languages um you know i've i've always thought french was such a beautiful language i have a german background um i don't know and see that's the hard part is that my i just i don't know how i would pick i don't know if you have any recommendations <laughs> I happen to be partial to Bulgaria. I, I bet. <laughs> but, but it's very difficult. It, yeah. 
Well, you know, they say the English language is difficult, but my goodness. I don't think so. Oh, compared yeah. to yeah. some, my, my son, he's in fourth grade and he's been uh, learning Japanese since uh, first grade. Um, he, he was in a Chinese class um, in kindergarten, but so he, he's learning Japanese. I just think that's really cool. It is homework that I cannot help with at all. So maybe Japanese would be the language that I would learn so we could do that together. I would love to hear about the characters, mm, the, the dinosaurs. Dino. Yeah, yeah. So um, the very first story that I wrote um, was about Stella, and she's sweet and spunky, and she's a stegosaurus. So that's the title of the book, very simply: Stella, the sweet and spunky stegosaurus. And um, and so I created her. She is a nonverbal dinosaur. So in the story, there's no diagnosis that's ever mentioned in any of the books, and that is intentional because so many of our of of Every diagnosis has comorbidities, you know, things that, you know, oh, she, Stella has autism, but she may also have sensory processing disorder. She may also have ADHD. So they're all different kind of nuances for every diagnosis. So Stella was intentionally created um, for, with autism in mind. And I, I created her a lot, a lot of, with my son in mind, like some of the things, um, nuances with his diagnosis um and so you know for her character i knew that you know a lot of a lot of times when there's excitement or even stress in a situation a person on the spectrum can flap their hands or you know jump up and down and so instead of calling that autism i call her spunky and so when she gets really excited her tail wiggles and jiggles and shimmies and shakes and so she's really trying to find a friend so the whole idea behind the story is you don't need a voice to find a friend and um, and so with the whole idea that we need to create that level of empathy and just because a child is not inserting themselves into play then a child can ask them if they'd like to be a part of it so um, and then the next one Toby the terrific and talented T-Rex he has sensory processing disorder so he's kind of going through the world with his mom and at the time I was a single mom and so this story just kind of made sense for me um you know it was just Alex and me and I was helping him explore the world and I've always pushed him kind of sometimes out of his comfort zone because that's where we see growth happening kind of desensitization with some of the things that he need to he needed to become desensitized to like the strong sounds and smells and so that's how that character was created and just kind of seeing that not all T-Rexes are big and bad and fierce but they're they're actually sweet and um and eager to learn but sometimes afraid to do so um, and then Alex was the last book. And of course, I had to name it after my son, um, but the Allosaurus. So, and one of the things that I, I, I started writing Alex during COVID because my son was experiencing a lot of anxiety um, with COVID, with school, you know, I was homeschooling at the, at the time. And so I wanted to be able to not only have a resource for him, but for others kind of going through the same situation that he was. And as we can see, I believe that mental health, we are in such a crisis, 
not only for children, but for adults too. And so I've had even several adults come over to me and they're like, this is a good book for adults to read, you know? And I said, yeah, I said, you know, we just, um, you know, the whole, the whole subject is free your mind and let your worries go. So with Alex, he has a friend in the book, Hadley, the Hadrosaurus. And, um, and so she finds that her friend is worrying a lot. And so that that's kind of troubling to her and she helps him discover a gift that he has that not many dinosaurs have and because he's an allosaurus because he has the sharp claws and the sharp teeth he's capable of ripping up like hundreds of pieces of colored paper and then what happens is he starts creating them into beautiful pictures so it's it's having a problem but turning it into a solution and something that helps relax the body and just because that works for Alex doesn't mean it works for someone else so um, I've gone into a lot of classrooms with this book um, I go into a lot of classrooms with a lot of the books but this book specifically resonates with 99.9% of every child um, that I speak to every every child has worries about you know being afraid of the dark you know what happens if mom and dad aren't home or you know anything like that what happens when my pet passes away and so we have like really good healthy conversations on what are some things that we can do to help our bodies and free our minds so whether that's art whether that is exercise um you know the you name it um but it's kind of giving children a resource to have that they can put into their toolkit so that when they are worried or anxious about something they'll have at least one thing that they can go to that can help them so it's just all of the books it's like it's an a through z i've got a lot more ahead of me it's an a through z dinosaur series so every letter of the alphabet will have a dinosaur attached to it and so and, and they all integrate themselves in and out of the story so Hadley the Hadrosaurus is in Alex's book but she also has a book herself and that's getting ready to come up and that's Hadley the happy and helpful Hadrosaurus and she has food allergies I have to (laughs) tell you that I have a granddaughter whose name is Hadley (gasps) and this book is for her yeah well she had a choice to select all the books any book from the uh, Kentucky Book Festival, yeah. and she chose that one. Oh, Alex! Yes. Oh. And I was wondering if you would be so kind to read that book. Oh, I would love it. Okay, great. I would love it. Now I become kind of animated. This is my theater background, so I, I just. <laughs> My husband's like, all of your many, many jobs have prepared you for this. So, um, and so the listeners can't see, if you can go online, you can, you can see it, but there's a big heart in the front before the story even starts with a special message to the reader, specifically for the little ones, but adults can, can take the message as well. So this one, um, Alex, the awesome and artsy Allosaurus, his heart says, dear brave friends, never let fear stand in your way of being awesome. So, and so I start the story off by telling all of the kids, how many times have you heard you can do hard things? Well, there's a lot of truth in that, but sometimes we don't know how strong we are until we put ourselves in that situation. So, there once lived a family known for being some of the most ferocious dinosaurs in all the land. The Allosaurus family had big teeth, 
powerful arms and sharp claws that would scare even the bravest dinosaur. And scare they did, all except for one. His name was Alex, and he didn't want to scare anyone at all. His best friend, Hadley the Hadrosaurus, noticed Alex seemed to be worried about a lot of things. And here's a little thought bubble. Will my house be empty when I get home? What if I don't want to scare anyone? What if I can't find food to eat? Sometimes Alex worried at bedtime. Sometimes his tummy hurt because he worried. Hadley wanted to help her friend and had a few tricks she had learned. They might work for Alex, too, she thought. Imagine smelling yummy hot pizza. Take a big smell and then blow on the pizza to cool it down, said Hadley. Alex shouted, but I don't like pizza. Neither does my Alex. Okay, let's try something else. How about exercise? Let's jump rope, replied, replied Hadley. Hadley, have you seen my claws? They will shred that rope to pieces, said Alex, frustrated. Shred? At that moment, Hadley had a great idea. Alex, follow me home, shrieked Hadley. The two dinosaurs ran through trees, jumped over rocks, and into mud puddles. Alex was so excited when they arrived at Hadley's house. Hadley said, My mom gave me lots of paper in different colors, and I want to share with you. Well, thanks, but what am I supposed to do with paper? questioned Alex. Use your claws and teeth to shred it. Let's see what happens, smiled Hadley. Alex stepped closer to the large pile of paper. I guess I could try, Alex thought to himself. Rip, slice, tear, slash, paper flew everywhere. Alex's body and mind relaxed with every shred he made. He soon found himself covered by a thousand pieces of rainbow paper. Piece by piece, his worries faded as he arranged the paper into beautiful pictures. Hadley stood by his side and smiled proudly. Her friend had a talent that not all dinosaurs had. Alex was an artist, and he was awesome. And on the last page, it's him looking up at the beautiful picture he just created of a thousand pieces of colored rainbow paper of his friend Hadley. So it all comes full circle. Yay, that's wonderful. <laughs> and there is a recurring character, and that is a little red bird. Yes. Tell us about that. Oh, bird. the birds are What's my favorite. Name? Oh, the bird doesn't have a name. Okay. But um, you could give it any, any name you want. So, so in every dinosaur book, um, I've incorporated every dinosaur has their own bird. So, and this bird is on every single page. And sometimes they're doing something fun and quirky. But most of all, they're a bird buddy. So, it's kind of like throughout life. And I tell the kids, I said, you can have many bird buddies. Sometimes it's a teacher. Sometimes it's your parent or your sibling. You know, we all need bird buddies or helpers. As they, I think Mr. Rogers taught us to look for the helpers, you know, in our community. So, this little bird buddy is kind of with, flies around with its friend. What about... The letter R. Do you know what you're going to do with it? I have a... Do you have a suggestion? Riley. Riley. Riley okay. Yes. And so do you have... You have you have a granddaughter or a grandson whose name's Riley? Uh, it's a granddaughter. The sister of 
Hadley. Of Hadley. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to look back because, you know, um, I go through, I, I believe the, the dinosaur is going to be a Rajasaurus. Um, and, but I don't know if I have a name settled for that. And it's really weird because, you know, my, my husband was like, okay, well, so all the letters in the alphabet, are you going to divide them between boys and girls? And I was like, well, boys and girls both resonate with dinosaurs. However, every child wants to see like, oh, it's a girl character or a boy character or whatever. So yeah, I'll have to, now I don't know what this little special need's going to be for the R, but. What about foreign names? Like four names the, the little immigrant children yes um you know there was one uh zuni um which i've heard is is kind of a foreign name um that zuni i came up with um for zuni ceratops and that's the z so um but if you have any suggestions on that like i'm i am just always i the the part that i love most probably about this whole process is that specifically for the character development and the names and and of course alex obviously meant something to me and i knew the a had to be for him um but so many of of the special needs um other names in the alphabet like people will come to me and it's like oh do you have and even the kids what do you have for O? you know <laughs> my name's oliver and it's really really sweet um you know it's and it, that's the cool thing and and all the special needs like there's going to be a special need for um for a little kid that's diabetic and there's going to be a special need for cystic fibrosis and down syndrome and so all of these different dinosaurs that are going to be woven in and out maybe even depression too and these are I think a lot of times even as adults we think special need is maybe a physical handicap possibly a mental handicap Um, but we don't we don't look at special needs even for there's going to be a dinosaur with glasses you know Um, that's Oliver the oviraptor he has these bright red glasses so I've already done some character development with the others because I'm also tying them into the current books so Brody the Brachiosaurus has a brace on his leg and so that is so fun I mean we live in a huge world full of special needs full and I would I would happen to say that most of us have some type of special need because think about it I have bifocal glasses that is a special need you know, people don't see that necessarily as a special need, but it is. And so um, one of the, the things that I'll mention too, like with the books, it was it was very important for me. And I decided very early on that I would at the very least have questions like with the book that I would release that people could download. And But I wanted to create an educational curriculum, learning activities that could be incorporated into the classrooms. And these have been fun. So I've, I've worked with uh, actually a UK professor, Sarah Hawkins-Lear. Um, she is amazing. And so she has created like little educational activities for early elementary. Um, and they're based on large group, uh, small group, and individual formats. So, and they're just fun activities that basically just work with the kids and make learning fun. What are the kids and or the parents' reactions to those books? So the kids, um, the kids love them. The dinosaurs, I think, um, I created it initially because my son just was crazy about dinosaurs. 
But then when I started creating the series, I was like, okay, well, every child, doesn't matter if you're girl or boy or even child or adult, everyone just kind of likes dinosaurs. It's just one of those things you kind of grow up and you you learn about and then cartoons have been made, The Land Before Time. Like it's something that resonates, you know, across the world, across, you know, ages. And so... Um, so I wanted to make sure they were dinosaurs. But the parents, I think it's really cool because the whole idea, when I say special needs and they're like, well, you know, I, I don't necessarily know someone or my child doesn't have a special need. And I've had a couple say that. And, you know, I said, this isn't about if your child has a special need. I said, it's really about learning about each other and learning that all of us are very deserving of love to give and to receive and um and so and the children above all else they're the ones that totally get it the children are like yeah i know someone that that's like that or i know someone that does that or my sister my brother my cousin you know uh my aunt um so it's it's much more you can see the children are totally getting it from the start and the parents are having aha moments because a lot of us grew up um, and I know I speak for myself but a lot of us grew up like okay we are going to love one another but special needs that was that's that's just someone who we may it may not there may may not be even someone with special needs in our community so it's really interesting to see the parents have aha moments too and teachers I would love to hear about your podcast. Oh, so um, I'm a special needs mama. Um, I, um, like I said, my son is on the autism spectrum, and he's what what some would say to be high functioning. He is sharp as a tack. Um, but uh, four five years ago, I created a nonprofit called My Autism Tribe, and it was really just out of a necessity that I saw. Um, in the community that I lived in, um, I wanted it to be a resource for not only autism families, but um, a service for the community where I could integrate uh, education into the community. And, um, you know, I always say that I'm creating, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing my boy, my son for the world. But as a parent, I also want to make sure I prepare the world for my son. And so there are a lot of kind of missed opportunities, in my opinion, that we have in our communities, not just here, in, you know, in Lexington, but in all communities where we can work with businesses and we can work with resource providers. Um, I'm working with several Senate members now on Medicaid reimbursement rates, you know, with, with insurance companies. So um, one of the first things I did with a nonprofit was was I created a podcast um, called My Autism Tribe. And we've had, um, you know, we like 25,000 downloads. Um, you know, I've had some amazing guests on there. Um, I love to interview people on the spectrum. So I've interviewed NASCAR's uh, first uh uh, gentleman that's on the spectrum, the NCAA's like uh, first basketball player with diagnosed autism. Um, you know, several, there's a, a really cute short, the Pixar short um, that was released by Disney 
maybe four years ago, five years ago, um, Bobby Rubio was the guy that created it. Um, it was about his son who was on the spectrum. I've interviewed him. So, um, but resource providers and parents and, and it's really just a platform, as I say, with, with my autism tribe is a platform to make one voice stronger because that is uh, a passion of mine is being able to make sure that everyone has a voice and a seat at the table and, that's not always uh, an opportunity for everyone, but I want to make sure it's a loving environment that I can create and also educate people at the same time. How wonderful is that? Mm, it is so fulfilling. It makes my heart overflow. It really does. And now I would love to hear about your TV show. Oh, so that's another thing on my plate, you know, because I can't sit still. So I was contacted by the news director of ABC 36, this WTVQ uh, here in, in Central Kentucky, um, early this spring and said, you know, have you ever thought about, mm, I don't know, maybe doing a talk show? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, uh, not really, I don't think, but I would love to hear more about it. So um, I had a, a coffee meeting with a news director and a producer and two of the other hosts, and we just kind of talked and about some different ideas. And then on May 1st, we released the, the TV show. It's live um, Monday through Friday at 1230. And it's for a half hour, and it's kind of like The View, if people are familiar with that. Um, but we always say it's nicer. So we just, we love having guests at our table. We always save them a seat. Um, and and it's just a way to talk about, the show's called Let's Talk Kentucky. And it's about everything that everyone may be talking about. In some days, it's really serious. You know, um, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, along with Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It's just, you know, we try to touch on those kind of heavy subjects, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe a cancer survivor at the table, someone who's been through a domestic violence situation. Um, but then we also have just like hilarious situations where we talk about, you know, first dates gone wrong, or, you know, just like something silly our children said. And it's, and it's so funny, we've been able to relate to not only just women um, in in the central Kentucky area, but also men, we have, um, we have a segment that we have every now and then called Dear LTK. And that's a chance for the men to write in and ask a question that they would like to hear women answer, such as, why do you have to have so many pillows on the bed? And it's like, so it's just funny so stuff. The <laughs> I have, I am a bit of a minimalist. I used yeah, to have the, the 20 yeah. pillows and try to decorate it every time I got out of bed. I was like, this isn't worth it. I need to cut something out of my life and this is it. So yeah, we just have fun. I mean, it's nutty. You've even had a seat at our table and that was... I, I hope that that was yeah. great for you. <laughs> it was a wonderful experience. I was so nervous. And all three of you made me feel like the most important person in the room. Oh, good. And I felt so at ease and surrounded by goodwill. Oh, good. So, and I am really grateful for the opportunity. Yeah. Well, you did phenomenal. You knocked it out of the park, as I knew, I knew you would. Um, but that's so good to hear because, 
each one of us really um, has connections within the community for whatever reason. And uh, and we really want to make sure that, you know, because TV can be kind of a scary process, especially if it's live. You're like, I don't get to do this again. What if I say something wrong? Um, and that's, a, that's kind of a worry that we have every single day. It's gotten easier. But I tell you, like, if there's anything that I want people to walk away, you know, from the show after watching, be like, you know what? Not only are they having fun, but they're, they're talking about topics that mean a lot to us. And um, if nothing else, we're starting conversations that need to be happening within, um, within our communities and teach people that we may not agree always um, with, with every single point that, that everyone has, but we don't have to be disagreeable. And, um, and so that's kind of what makes the world go round because I always tell my son, I was like, if every single person in the world was just like me, I would hate the world. (laughs) Like it was just like, it it would just be too much, too much. And so, you know, it takes all kinds, it takes all kinds, you know, we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses and we all can build each other up. So let's start sometimes the daunting conversations and build from there and just have those healthy conversations that we all need and truly want. I could probably speak with you for like a couple more hours. Yeah, at least two more hours. (laughs) I I have one last question. Yeah. And that is typically the question is, what do you teach your students? The most important thing you teach your students of creative writing. But mm. you go to schools yeah. and you speak to students. Yeah. So what is the import- most important thing if you want them to remember one thing? Oh, so I I was just at, um, I, actually at a couple of schools this last Friday. And um, and they were just, I mean, they were eager, eager to learn. And I told them, I said, there are two things that I want everyone to walk away from this with. And and I make sure the class is completely silent for this. I said, you can be a friend to all, okay? And then the second one is, and I always ask them with a raise of hands, sometimes not kindergarten or first grade, but second, third grade, who knows what empathy is? And so, you know, a couple of them kind of raise their hand. I've heard of it, you know, so we talk about the definition of empathy. And I said, I truly think that that's a lot of our world's problem right now is that we don't have enough empathy. And so when we put ourselves in other people's shoes, we can kind of get a sense for what they may be going through and how hard something may be. And if we know how hard a day someone is having, maybe we could just be a better friend. Um, And just really, you know, we don't know what's going on in each other's lives at home, at work. So if we have empathy, we can be a better friend, a better brother, a better sister, a better student. Um, And then they all just kind of like, you know, they shake their head. They get it. They get it. Thank you, Susan, so much for this conversation. Thank you so much. Anytime you want me back, we'll just have another two-hour conversation. There we go. We will.